podcast. I almost said it's Wednesday, but it's in fact Monday. We're recording early on this Thanksgiving week. I've got Grant here with me as always. Grant, how's it going? Uh, it's going great, Parker. Uh, short week. Uh, you know, uh, working men like me love a good short week. Uh, so I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm in I'm in grad school. My life's a joke, so that means nothing to me. But I'm yeah, glad that I mean, you're, you're, you're not doing anything. At the I'm moment, glad someone so. can appreciate it. Grant, I've got to tell you, I'm I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit upset. I've been uh, I just I just got out of my garage. I had some yarn and some maps up on the wall, and mm-hmm. I'm full bore into Referee Gate. Uh, are you aware that the same crew who refereed the Oklahoma TCU football game, and in addition to not calling holding once the entire time, uh, gave OU a phantom first down on the final. Uh, drive of the game that kind of iced the game for OU. That same referee crew is the same referee crew that said that Max Duggan was out in triple overtime versus the Baylor Bears. The same exact refs. Uh, that's that's unbelievable to me. Yeah, it's unbelievable to Gary Patterson, too. He made it a point to uh, mention it on his Monday morning teleconference with the Big 12. I, I we joke all the time about referee conspiracies and we joke that the Big 12 wants to protect its interests with Oklahoma and Baylor. I, I mean, listen, I've been down in my mom's basement. You know, I, I've really been making some calls. You, you know, I, I've gone through three pots of coffee today trying to figure this thing out. And I, I think it's a coincidence, but it's not a good coincidence, Parker. I'm just saying, if you were in charge of the Big 12 and you wanted to make sure that the Big 12 got that last playoff spot and the Pac-12 didn't, would you behave any differently than what has happened with the TCU's close games against the two frontrunners in the Big 12? This is like those, you ever see like on the on the internet, they'll have like all those um, comparisons between Abraham Lincoln's assassination and JFK's assassination. <laughs> yes. This is basically it, just for football. Yes, absolutely. Lincoln's, Lincoln's secretary was named Kennedy. Kennedy's secretary yeah. was named Lincoln. Uh, and the Big 12 uh, reps. John Wilkes Booth. John Wilkes Booth shot Lincoln in a theater. And then ran to a warehouse, and Lee Harvey Oswald shot Kennedy from a warehouse and ran into a theater. I mean, listen, the evidence is right there. I don't know how much more we need to say. I, honestly, if yeah, yeah, if you if you don't know that's true, yeah, if you if you if you don't believe this conspiracy, I can't do anything for you. Um, pretty crazy, uh, yeah. Just in general, kind of. T- we'll, we'll we'll touch on the calls here in a second. Um, you brought up Gary Patterson. Did he say anything else fun at, at media days or at the conference that we should talk about or? Uh, I, I noticed he said, I just want to beat West Virginia a couple times. He, he very much was uh, yeah. trying to focus on the game. Yeah, he, he mentioned that a lot. Um, the teleconference came before the news that Michael Collins is transferring. So we didn't get his thoughts on that. We'll get them tomorrow when we, he does his weekly Tuesday press conference. But no, nothing too interesting. Um, he did say that they made a concentrated effort to limit big plays from Oklahoma in that game. And I think we saw that and I'm sure you have the stats to, to back that up, but kind of transitioning into the Oklahoma game. I mean, TCU didn't give up a whole lot of really big plays. They just gave up a lot of chunk, or not chunk, but just, you know, five or six yard runs. And, and that was a solid strategy for, for most of the second half. Definitely. Um, yeah, I want to, I wa- I'll speak to that. I also just want to requiem for Mike Collins. Uh, Mike Collins yeah. had an 86 quarterback rating against Kansas when TCU lost the butt fumble game. He was not to blame in that terrible loss, and he had three great drives against Oklahoma that we talked about last week. So, uh, good kid. Can't wait for him to like tear up the American Athletic Conference next year or something. Uh, hopefully not against yeah, us. Yeah, no ill will. Yeah, yeah, wish him the best. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. I think he'll be a great AAC quarterback. For sure. Um, yeah, so so going to, the, going to the big plays, I think that's a great point to dive into the Oklahoma TCU game. So, TCU goes to Norman. Uh, at night, and they do what TCU often does in Norman. Uh, they they lose a close game, 28-24. Um, TCU's defense really did stifle Oklahoma's offense. Success rate was 52% on the game, which is above national averages, but their isolated points per play, which is a measure of explosion, was only 1.03 points per play, um, which is well below national averages. So exactly what you're saying, the stats bear that out. TCU allowed kind of that chip away moving drive success that we saw in the second half of uh, Oklahoma versus Baylor, but they limited those big plays and um, kind of bowed up in the red zone and scoring opportunities and really were, were able to keep themselves in the game. Um, OU had five scoring ops, but on two of those, they had the ball first down inside the 20 
and a turnover, turn it to TCU points or um, flip the field the entirely opposite direction. Yeah, and I think we talked last week that TCU, that Oklahoma was going to get big plays, but TCU needed to prevent the chip away type of drives. Well, as it turned out, Oklahoma didn't really get that many big plays. I mean, their their longest play was a 36-yard pass to Charleston Rambo. Uh, they had two, uh, they had a 32-yard run and a 31-yard run, but they had no 50-yard plays. And, and th- listen, that doesn't sound like much, but with a team like Oklahoma, that's pretty good. Yeah, they held, um, TCU held OU to 6.18 yards per passing attempt um, and 6.21 yards per carry, both of those below national averages. Um, and a lot of that is Oklahoma got their kind of consistent success, just didn't get, like we've said five times now, didn't get those big plays. But um, I think that's I think that's pretty important because that was the game plan. And it honestly, it worked. TCU didn't win, but it wasn't because of Oklahoma's offense at all. Um, I'll tell you what it was because of. I have two numbers for you. Quarter one success rate for TCU, 10%. Quarter one success mm-hmm. rate for Oklahoma, 65%. Quarter four success rate for Oklahoma, 44%. Quarter four success rate for TCU, 0% success rate. TCU did not run a successful play in the fourth quarter. That is not a typo. That is not a joke. That's not a meme. That is just the sad, grim reality of TCU's offense in the fourth quarter on Saturday. 0% success rate. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of analysis to say other than that was really bad. Uh, Max Duggan did not have a good game throwing the ball. He was 7 of 21 for 65 yards and a pick, but the pick was on the last, you know, kind of the last play of the game. Or, or I mean, it, anyway. But, yeah, it was ugly. Especially in the first quarter, TCU just didn't seem to have a game plan. At all. And the offensive line was getting overrun by Oklahoma. Duggan had absolutely no time to throw. It looked like they kind of tried to work in speed option a little bit, and that's when Duggan had that 62-yard run. And I think he also scored on a speed option as well. That, um, um, that, that speed option really felt like a dramatic shift in the play calling for a little bit. Yeah, and it kind of I fit agree. a what-the-hell-else-are-we-going-to-do, um, which I kind of like. With a freshman quarterback, I like that reactivity, that responsiveness of saying, look, we've gone three and out on four straight drives. And yes, one of those was a four and out, but whatever. It's three and out. It doesn't matter. You've gone three and out on four straight drives. Nothing's working. Let's let's see if we can let our quarterback do what he does best, even if we would like him to be throwing more. Um, so I at least ad- appreciate the reactivity in the adaption because I don't think that's something we haven't seen really that kind of drastic of a game plan shift this season at all. Um which is interesting, but it comes back to why it really stinks that it takes us being down three scores for TCU to kind of adapt and figure out a new offensive game plan that might work. Yeah, I think also one thing to note is the first time they ran that speed option in that game, it was like a short side speed option on third and long. And I think I texted you and in, in the Frogs of War Slack group, everyone's like, Parker is having a heart attack as we speak. But it, But they kept at it and it worked. You know, it, it just needed a couple of times to catch, I guess. They they did. And and so TCU on those first three, four, four drives, negative three yards, zero points. Yep. OU yep. had 199 yards and 21 points. But going forward the rest of that game, TCU had 207 yards and 17 points. OU had 312 yards and seven points. So OU still moved the ball. TCU got the turnovers they needed to kind of limit those scoring opportunities. They did their bend, don't break kind of classic defense. Saw that a little little bit against Texas Tech um, and gave the offense a shot. And the offense improved a little, but really couldn't really couldn't get it done and had dug themselves too big of a hole. Um, You'll note as well, they were one for nine on third down, which is just um, just, you're just not going to win games. Yeah, you're just not going to win games if you do that. No, and to beat Oklahoma, you need to have incredible plays from your defenders. I think we talked about that last week. And TCU got those. Nuke Bradford, man. I mean, what a takeaway from Jalen Hurts. I don't understand. Just ripping the ball out of his hand. I don't understand the physics of that play. Like, I watched it three Me times. Neither. It was just, oh, he has the ball now. Like, that was just incredible. That was just straight yeah, up he took awesome. the ball away. Yeah, and then Vernon Scott jumping that route. I think um, I think it was to CeeDee Lamb, and Lamb slipped a little bit, but... He took it 98 yards for an interception return. Those are the everything going into the game. If you said that TCU held Oklahoma to 28 points and TCU scored on defense, you think TCU would win that game? Yeah. But then you look at like what actually happened. You break down your advanced box scores, things like that, and okay, it's easy to see why they did not 
win that game. Yeah, it's it's worth noting too on the um, on the def- on the offensive side of things. So I think I think the defense did everything you could ask out of the defense, um, and and some could even argue they got that final stop. Uh, everything you wanted. The offense, though, uh, we had seven drops by my count um, that were drive killers that were um, should have been touchdowns. There was two. That was look. You know how much I love the tight ends. That was so hard to see us on the goal line throw a pass to each tight end and both of them just drop it uh, in yeah. the end zone. That was that was particularly rough um, in that game. Uh, and, and and you look at you know TCU had forty five plays to Oklahoma's eighty five. They only had 204 yards. They only had three scoring opportunities. They only had 11% success rate on passing downs. So when it was obvious passing situations, TCU could not do anything at all. The fact that this was a one-score game is incredible. OU had a a post-game win expectancy of 97%. That's how the statistics in this game went. The one-score game is so misleading. Um... And it really is all 100% the offense wasn't able to kind of keep pace, which I think takes away some of that rosy, you know, that that rosy optimism we had against the Texas Tech game of, oh, well, you know, they can do enough to win and they, you know, they scored 33 points and that's all we needed. And I think we're clearly seeing, no, no, the offense, Max Duggan's improving and he's making plays, but the offense is still not not good by any stretch of the imagination. No, I mean, to be fair, Oklahoma is a much better team than Texas Tech, and they have more athletes. OU so is a that. worse defense. They have better athletes. OU has played like a worse defense than Texas Tech this year. Which is crazy, but uh, oh, okay. But the actually, a point I was, I was about to compliment TCU and at least Gary Patterson is that I think the narrative coming in, and we got a question about this as well, is that Lincoln Riley kind of coaches circles around Patterson in these games that I, I mean, CeeDee Lamb had two catches for 16 yards. Charleston Rambo had six catches for 77 yards, which, I mean, it, that's a fine stat line, but these guys have been dicing up defenses all year, and Patterson's a defensive coach. He did his job against Riley. Oklahoma hadn't scored fewer than 30 points since September of 2018, and that was the game against Army, if you remember, yeah. when Army had like the ball for 45 minutes. I don't. That game was blacked out so that no one saw it, so it, I, don't, I don't remember Except it. Except if, yeah. if you went on that Twitch stream and that guy had his feet yes. in front of the TV and he was broadcasting it. So I didn't actually see the game either, but I remember it happening. But so, so the point, yes, I think the point, and I'm probably just restating what we've said, is that the defense did its job. Patterson coached really well on the defensive end. Even though Oklahoma had a 97% win expectancy, it feels like TCU let this one slip away because they couldn't do anything on offense. Yeah. Um, okay, so so that, we'll, we'll answer that question really quickly, too, because that that quote is coming from a specific writer who's a, fr- a friend, and I like him, whatever, but also he's a very Texas-affiliated, and Texas having a bad season, and so th- things happen. Like, I don't think that's... Um, you think he's lashing out. Yes, yes, and it's not it's not totally unfounded, but, like, I just went and looked up TCU versus OU under Lincoln Riley, and, I mean... You account for TCU being at the bottom of their development cycle, having new quarterbacks every year. Um, and it's like the in 2017, both of those games were within striking distance in the third quarter, and then talent took over. So it's not like, I mean, I think you could say with the talent disparity, OU should be winning by 40 every time. And the fact that they're mm-hmm. not speaks to the fact that, that, that I mean, Lincoln Riley is an amazing offensive coach. We said last week, OU is as beatable as they've they've been in in recent memory, and that's very true. And so I think if anyone's worried about the defense um, or Patterson's ability as a coach, holding them to 28 points and having that offensive performance and still being able to be in the game, I think absolutely kind of dispels any notion of of Riley having Patterson's number. You could say that they're equal when Riley has better talent. Like that would also be true given what we've seen. So yeah, I completely agree. Um, we'll answer that question since we touched on it real quick. Um, it was Walter McInnes who asked, uh, how much do you think there is to the X team has Y team's number theory, and are there any like bad, mediocre teams that, quote, have the number of good teams to a statistically significant degree? I'm not smart enough to answer that significant uh, statistically. I-, I did pull up some just kind of the-, the-, the list of college football rivalry games just to see if any uh, stood out. And I think it's more of it doesn't matter if both teams are good or both teams are bad. One team's going like one team always wins this game. The Apple Cup comes to mind. Washington always beats Washington State no matter what, uh, at least in my head. And then Iowa, Iowa State, mm-hmm. uh, Iowa has beaten the Cyclones. Uh, let me make sure I get this right. 
uh, the last five years and six out of the last seven. So those come to mind. Yeah, that where it's where it's kind of that like mental block of just they're just not going to win this game for whatever reason. Right. There was another one. There's. I thought about. There's a real big one this weekend. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, but yeah. Uh, but that's in the opposite direction, you know. Um, right. And and that's not even. I mean, OU's been good. Yeah. Yeah, that's not Oklahoma State's fault. I mean, except Oklahoma State was ranked. Let me see, make sure I get this right. Was ranked number six in. 2013, Oklahoma won 33-24. to uh, Oklahoma State was ranked 12th. Sorry, I'm digressing, but this game really makes yeah. me laugh. It was 2009, Oklahoma State was ranked 12th. Oklahoma was not ranked, and Oklahoma won 27 to nothing. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so. um, yeah, I think in terms of like having a team number, you know, people talk about uh, TCU in, plays Kansas in Lawrence really weird every year um, for whatever reason, and I don't know if that's travel or something, so there might be some off-field stuff with that. But you think about even that Iowa-Iowa State, it's not like Iowa State is better than they have been ever. Absolutely. They've yeah. had some amazing years, and, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. They're better than their record, and they have been a couple years in a row now. Um, but it's not like Iowa is, you know, the San Jose Spartans, well, who this year well, are right. good. But so there, it's not like the talent. I mean, for the first time, the talent disparity is kind of as small as possible in that Iowa-Iowa State. So it's not even like Iowa is bad and has Iowa State's number. It's like, hey, Iowa State's better, and they've had a couple unlucky bounces. So I think statistically significant, you're like, okay, let's let's ignore past history because these are independent events, and let's randomly draw from a bag a marble. Well, I don't. If all three of those are blue, I'm not going to conclude. Oh, the you know the whole bag is blue just because I've seen a couple. So that kind of thing about like statistical significance, just because Iowa's won with some random bounces, doesn't really mean that right. they, they're in their heads or anything. It just means Iowa's been better for a long time than Iowa State, and so they're um, they're better off. Yeah. So it's same, same thing with, like, OU has been, every, every year forever, OU has been more talented than TCU. Um, yeah. And except for, what, 2014 and then 2009, 2010, uh, has been more successful. Like, those are, those are absolutely yeah. true. So it's not even that, you know, Lincoln Riley has it. It's just like, yes, money and talent matter. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so it's a, a actually, I think it's the reverse. It's a testament to Patterson that he's been able to be competitive so many times. I mean, Foster Sawyer and Bram Kohlhausen played, and we were at a, you know a half inch on a two point conversion away from winning. Like, come on, yeah. Well, money and talent matter unless you, you're the University of Texas, but that's a different topic. Do we want to? Open, I don't even know if we want to open that door. Woof, uh, man. It no, because I'm going to say things I don't want to say. So, but it, it is. <clears throat> there's a lot of. Uh, Shot in Florida, if you will, going on. Um, I'm not not for, enjoying for it. The university. Well, um, yes, right, exactly. Okay, that was a good segue. Obviously, we don't want to talk about this OU game way too much longer, um, just because it was it was pretty rough. Um, it was more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. TCU had um, six points of turnover luck, which is basically they scored a touchdown and an interception, and that was that was mm-hmm. that was pretty lucky. Um, other than that, I'm perusing the strat, the stats, you know, the really the success rates are, are what's, I think, the biggest thing standing out. TCU had a success rate 38% on the game, but in the second quarter and the third quarter, they had 60% and 54%. So there were times when the offense was moving, just couldn't do anything consistently and dug themselves such a big hole and then kind of went flat at the end. You know, they um, had the ball, the drive before the last drive, they had the ball at their own five or something and, you know... Did anyone in the world think that it wasn't going to go three and out right there? Like, you just no. didn't expect them to. And it's not – they're bad. It's fine. There's good players and there's good talent, but the offense is bad. And yep. so you didn't really expect it. We also did see a kick from the 42. TCU punted from the 42, which mm-hmm. – um, look, if you're on the road against your rival, roll the dice, man. Who cares? Uh, I just don't know. I just don't know why people do that. Um, or, heck, extend Jonathan Song's range. I don't know. I, that's kind of that. We talk about that stealing thing all the time. If you're not ever getting caught stealing in baseball, you're not stealing enough. It's like, Hey, if you're never missing a field goal, maybe you should be kicking longer field goals and making a couple of those and missing a couple of those, you know? Well, put a pin in that because I'm going to say really nice things about Jonathan song later, but also Griffin Kell, I, Griffin Kell is kind of a long range. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, I would be fine with trotting him out there and see what he can do. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, closing, closing thoughts on, on the OU TCU game. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm a, I feel like I'm too much of an optimist, especially after hearing from you kind of how bad that <laughs> offensive performance was, but 
it's games like this, and Patterson said this today too, where you think TCU is just a fingernail away from winning these games. I mean, TCU's what, one in five in or, or one in four in games decided by no, no, one in five in games decided by one score or less. Right? Yes. Baylor, Oklahoma, SMU, uh, Iowa State. Kansas State. And, well, no, Kansas State was a blow. Oklahoma State. Kansas State was one score. Okay, I switched Iowa State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, uh, yeah, one in five and games decided by one score. That's probably a sign of youth, I think. Probably a sign of TCU being in flux, I think. If these guys grow up, if they stay in the TCU system, then those games will start to flip. But it's just hard to watch right now when they're not flipping. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there's definitely two forces there. Um, and one of them is you don't get breaks when you're not, not as good. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know what, if we had, you know, the 2014 offense, that that team should have lost a couple games. 2015, holy cow, that 2015 TCU team should have lost so many games and their offense was good yep. enough that they got lucky at the right times. And so there's a little bit of like, we're not lucky. And then I think there is a pretty substantial shooting yourself in the foot where it's like, yeah, you're consistently in these negative game scripts. You consistently can't do enough on offense to kind of get over the hump and, and win a close game. Um, even Texas tech, the offense didn't win that game. The offense did everything in their power to give that game away. And Texas tech put the ball on the ground. Um, and so I think, I think there's also definitely the, the youth prevents you from getting as lucky as you'd like to be. And, and, you know, you don't have the talent to ice over that, that poor luck. But then also I think there is some, some shooting, shooting themselves in the foot. Um, I will, I will take this diversion. Uh, and I'm not going to point out anyone specific on Twitter because I don't want to encourage that. But holy cow, imagine looking at this season and taking away Max Duggan is bad and we need to get another quarterback. Yeah. That's, that's a real thing right that thing, more than yeah. one, that like multiple people think, which is just insane to me. Um, the freshman quarterback, you know, QBR in the 70s almost every week, suffering from drops. He's gotten so much better. Think about game one to now. Um, we've said he's going to grow, he's going to develop, and he has. And so that's so encouraging. Um, and look, you he, not many people have the stones to be a freshman quarterback and run the speed option in Norman and say like, hey, I'm just going to run it. Like, we're not throwing well. I'm going to I'm gonna execute. I'm going to throw my head, head first into this, and I'm going to score a touchdown and drag seven people across the goal line. So Duggan, Duggan I think, is a really big positive, um, even, if, even if there are some things we still have to iron out. Yep, exactly. And stat lines... I mean, they don't look good against Oklahoma, but but just look at the look at like you said those speed options. Look at him dragging five people in the end zone, and think about that moving forward because that's going to stay, and the stat lines are going to get better. Definitely, that that's the stuff you can't teach and can't improve. Yep. The rest of the stuff will improve. Um, yeah, yep. that's all that narrative. You know, people want to be like, oh, Charlie Brewer's a competitive, or Sam a competitor, or Sam Ellinger's a competitor, but like that's what a competitor looks like freshman year of. This mm-hmm. kind of effort, even knowing, hey, we're, we're struggling pretty bad. So um, in- encouraging overall. All right, let's take a little break and come back and discuss the Western Virginia Mountaineers and the matchup on Black Friday. Mm-hmm. And we're back. TCU is down to 35th in SP+. They're 51st overall on, or 51st on offense and 39th on defense, which makes them, Grant, you'll be happy to know, the best six-loss team in the nation. If you're going to have six losses, at least be the best six-loss team in the nation. Uh, Coming to town on Friday is the West Virginia Mountaineers, coached by first-year coach Neil Brown, formerly of Troy. West Virginia is 89th overall, 87th on offense, and 78th on defense. SP Plus has this uh, probably an 18-point margin in favor of TCU, which seems crazy big. But I think that's going to be biased downward because West Virginia has looked pretty good adding uh, their new quarterback, whose name I'm probably going to mispronounce. It's Daigie. I had to Google it. I was going to say Daigie. Okay, Daigie. Daigie's had a quarterback rating of 72.7 over the last two games which is basically what Brock Purdy or Shea Patterson has put up. And that's not a full season worth of numbers, but he's played pretty competently um, the last two games. And West Virginia has looked like they have a little bit of life and might be a little feisty coming in this weekend. So Grant, what are your thoughts on the matchup? What are your thoughts on West Virginia? Yeah, I think you nailed it, Parker. I think it's sort of a tale of two teams for West Virginia. They started the season with uh, Austin Kendall, the Oklahoma 
transfer at quarterback. Kendall was not getting the job done. We'll put it charitably. I don't have his stats in, uh, up in front of me, but he was turnover prone. They're bad. Uh, he made was a lot of mistakes. QBR. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. So, um, especially for a an offense like Neil Brown, who does run a, a I think that term air raid is overused, but a modified version of the mm-hmm. air raid at least. Um, they brought in Jarrett Dagey, who transferred from Bowling Green, actually, and put up really, really good numbers as a freshman there. Uh, Dagey is the brother of former Texas Tech quarterback Seth Dagey. Um, and so I had to look at old clips of Seth to figure out how to pronounce his last name. So far, so you mentioned um, his QBR. He's 59 of 85 for 660 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, no picks is pretty good, and that's certainly what West Virginia needed, um, you know, getting rid of Kendall. West Virginia also has improved their offensive line. Patterson said today that that's really been a big help for the Mountaineers. They're more physical. They're better. They're more aggressive. Uh, same with their defense as well. They're, they're, they're pretty aggressive. So uh, it, it's it's two different teams. I mean, they beat Kansas State, um, and then they uh, they were really, really close to beating Oklahoma State last week. So um, they're, they're dangerous. I mean, 18 points, that kind of shocked me a little bit because I did not think TCU is, is that – you know, they're, I think they're better than West Virginia, but not that much better. Yeah, I agree. That that margin feels really, really big. Um, you know, the the only West Virginia game I've watched uh, play to, you know, in uh, opening play to ending whistle is the Baylor game. And in, mm-hmm. in Baylor game, West Virginia's defense was disrupted. They're messing up timing routes. They're getting a hat on Charlie Brewer, and of course, Baylor was missing a couple uh, offensive linemen, so that was a little tough. But you see. Um, they, they could have won that game. They had every opportunity to win that game. And Austin Kendall, um, for whatever reason, he's struggling, couldn't even get the ball in a, in a place where a receiver could, could make a play and try and have a chance. He was, you know, putting the ball on the ground, over the heads, out of bounds, just kind of all erratic everywhere. And so Daigie coming in just gives them kind of this steady neutral presence, if not positive presence, and, and lets yep. the receivers make a play, which, you know, Neil Brown's a smart enough guy to kind of figure out what – where his matchups are and exploit those. And so um, I think this West Virginia team is, is very, very different than um, what I one expected at the beginning of the season. And then also what I've expected uh, watching them play a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And this is going to be one of those games where TCU has to win in order to make a bowl. I think we've, we've harped on that this season because Patterson harps on it. Um, So the frogs are going to be fired up. I think they want to show that they, you know, I mean, you can talk all about momentum and what you want to happen, but the fact of the matter is TCU is a better team than West Virginia, and they should win on Friday, and the little bit of motivation should help them. But it's also easy to kind of get over your skis in those scenarios. Um, we'll see what happens. I'll put it that way. I think uh, West Virginia doesn't – I mean, Sam James has been a good receiver for them. He's got 663 yards this season on 66 catches, uh, two TDs. George Campbell's got seven touchdowns on 19 catches, which is a pretty impressive rate. Uh, he's 6'4", so that'll do it. Florida State transfer. Um, so there are a couple of guys you got to key in on. Um, the defense has, like I said, been improved. Um, but, yeah, I, again, this is a, a, a team that TCU should beat, plain and simple. I think so, um, and I think it could be a good kind of positive momentum going into You know, someone asked me on Twitter today, can we decline a bowl bid if we have to go to the first responders bowl? Okay. And that's no, no, as much no. as that would suck uh, to go to the first responders bowl and play Miami of Ohio, you need the practice. And so the positive momentum yep. going into the practice is what's really, really great there. Um, I did look, I, I pulled this up because I was interested. Um, TCU has never under Gary Patterson has never lost a game with bowl eligibility on the line. Um, okay. Because in 2000, Ooh, no. Okay, I take that back. Only one time. This is not really fair because they've gone to a bowl basically every year. But in 2013, TCU law, uh, beat Iowa State to go to four and six. And so mm-hmm. played Kansas State in November with a chance to keep the bowl dream alive and lost that game. So they've only lost one game where they've had bowl eligibility on the line, but that wasn't really ever in, in question. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, and, and uh, that team was the first year that I was in college and I don't like to think about that team, but that was a dark time. That was a very dark time. Okay, Grant. So let's go ahead and just get back on the field and, uh, and look at some predictions. Best case scenario for TCU. What happens this weekend? Best case is that the same defense shows up. Um, they force Diggy to make a turnover. He hasn't made yet. They limit West Virginia on the ground. They 
kind of come out all over and really don't give the offense a chance to blow the game. Um, with that said, I think there are opportunities for TCU's offense to score. I think it's going to be kind of a game like Texas Tech where maybe they don't convert on every opportunity, but they put up 33 points, and I think the defense is good enough to hold West Virginia to you know, 10 or, or 14 or whatever. So something like... 33 to 14 or 35 to 14, whatever. I think it's in the cards is the best case scenario. I know I said earlier that the 18 point margin seemed wide to me, but I think if you're talking best case, that's what we're looking at. Definitely. Um, are you worried at all about the rain? So it's going to be 54 on Thursday and a little drizzly, but then on Friday we get a warm front. It's going to be 75 and uh, the weather app has a little cloud emoji with a lightning bolt grant, 63% mm. uh, coverage on that rain probability. Are you worried about the rain? How might the rain affect this game? That's a great question, Parker. I don't know the answer to that. I, I think, uh, no, well, TCU hasn't really played in the rain this year, uh, as far as I can remember. Iowa State got uh, delayed, but uh, it wasn't yeah, raining at the time Yeah, but they didn't wind up having to play in it. Um, I don't know if it, it'll it probably make TCU run the ball more. So they got that going for I don't know if it's physically us. possible, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I mean, it's, I know in soccer, at least, rainy games always favor a higher scoring game because defenses slip more, they make more mistakes, things like that. So could be something there. I don't know. But I mean, that would be my guess. Yeah. I, I think, I think more mistakes are made in the rain, put it that way. Which, which definitely kind of only like really any additional volatility in this game can only hurt TCU. But I don't think, I mean, TCU's played great in the rain against Baylor and past years. And so I'm not, I yeah. saw the forecast and my first thought wasn't, Oh no, that's going to be bad for TCU. It was more, Oh no, that's going to be bad for me sitting out in the upper deck. Uh, trying to watch. I'll be in the press box with a oh. with a coffee in hand oh, and nice. you know, a, a, a nice air. So yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> Richie Rich over there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so that was your best case scenario. Let's go ahead and do a prediction on uh, on this game. What do you think is going to happen score wise? Sure, uh, I'm going to call it twenty eight seventeen TCU. I think the Frogs win. I think um, it's going to be one of those games where TCU has a lead for most of it, but they don't pull away so it's kind of frustrating to let West Virginia hang around but I do think they pull it out in the end I agree I don't think I I don't think TCU will score that much I think it's going to look a lot like the Oklahoma State West Virginia game uh last week where it's it's closer than you want it to be but I like something in that low 20s um maybe a weird score give me give me 24 to 12 I like the the symmetry of doubling up and the weird West Virginia kicks four field goals just because that's that's kind of fun sure why not who, yeah, no one's keeping track of this. Um, let's pivot and let's talk about a couple other games really quickly, too. Um, I wanted to bring up Iowa State-Kansas State is a game this weekend that caught my eye. Um, Grant, in terms of the Big 12 picture as a whole, why is that game interesting? So Iowa State's 5-3 and three in the Big 12. Kansas State is 4-4. Four and four. Um, If Kansas State wins, obviously they'll jump, they'll tie uh, Iowa State. Um, I just think it's interesting because... It's going to show how ahead of schedule Kansas State is if they win this game. Um, Matt Campbell's a great coach, obviously, and and we talked earlier um, in this program about how Iowa State is on the up. But bringing in Chris Kleiman and allowing him to build on what Bill Snyder built in such a short amount of time would be huge. Um, They'd finish the season at 8-4, and ranked, probably go to a decent bowl, the Wildcats would. So I just think it's going to be a really interesting referendum on – how good Kansas State is. I also think it's going to be the slowest football game of all time between Kansas State. It'll be like an Army, Navy, like it's slow in terms of pace, but I think the game gets over in two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's going to be really, really fun, and uh, I kind of wish I could watch it. If you – so the, I'm, I'm looking for a line. So line is Kansas State plus five. Uh, if you had to make a pick on that game, who would you take? Plus five, I'll take Kansas State. I think it's going to be close. I, I agree. A, yeah. I think it's going to be really, really close. I think it's a good pick. Like 17-14 or something boring. Uh, 21-20. Boring is Kansas State football's middle name in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, Um, just, I mean, reliable more than anything else. OU and Oklahoma State are playing. Spencer Sanders is out for Oklahoma State, so they're now without not only their best receiver, but they're only really their their quarterback, um, as Drew Brown is uh, a living, breathing human being. Oklahoma State plus 12 there. I think OU covers um, handily. I think there's so much on the line with the playoff and uncertainty that they're going to score as much as they can, uh, make that out of hand. Baylor and Kansas would be hilarious, but it's not going to happen. The game that's really caught my eye, because I didn't realize this was in play till this week. Six and five Texas hosts four and seven Texas Tech. 
I did mm-hmm. not know that a six and six Texas was still in play um, this oh, yeah. season, which is just um, all sorts of fun. Uh, Grant, who has a better record, Tom Herman's Texas or Tennessee's Jeremy Pruitt or Jer- Jeremy Pruitt's Tennessee? Is it Tennessee? Trick question. They are both six and five, uh, which oh, is terrible. Yeah. So I think that <laughs> well, is fun. That's all I have to say. I, I Okay. I'm going to make this statement without any judgment. In 2017, Cliff Kingsbury beat Texas to keep his job. If Texas Tech beats Texas, does Tom Herman lose his job? No, because he's already firing. He's already firing the coordinator, so he's he's oh, you're right, you're right. So he's already yeah, doing he the panic move. He gets one more year. You're right. You're um, right. I, I just I think it'd be a very interesting parallel. But can I can I make my hot take statement on Texas one more time? Sure. Tom Herman's only accomplishment is recruiting Ed Oliver. That's it. To be fair, he did do it. He did it, and that's impressive. But you look at everything else, and I can start to explain away away a lot of success. Um, so interesting to see how they rebound. Um, other big yeah. games this weekend. It's rivalry week, but I don't, you know, nothing really excites me. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State looks yeah. interesting just because Michigan's kind of figured out that Josh Gaddis offense and is peaking. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to shake the demons though. What do you think about that game? No, I think Ohio State's going to win. I, I think so. I this might be a little bit of SEC bias or whatever, just because I'm from the South, but I do think LSU is the best team in the country. But I think Iowa State's a close second, and I think Iowa State is more capable of dominating games, if, they, if, if that makes any sense at all. I, I just think that when you watch Ohio State play, you think, wow, this team is really, really balanced. They're really, uh, you know, they don't have any weaknesses. And we saw that against Penn State. Ohio State did everything it could to give Penn State that game and still won by, what, 11? Was it 28-17? Um, so, yes, I think so. Yeah, so I, I don't think Michigan – Beats Ohio State this week. Do you know what the line is? You said Ohio State by... Uh, Michigan plus nine. Michigan plus nine. Okay, I think Ohio State covers. I don't think it's close. I think Ohio State... um, They had their quote-unquote scare last week against Penn State, even though it wasn't really that close in the end. And I think they come out and just kind of lay the wood to Michigan. That's like their recipe now. I mean, last year, remember, uh, Penn State had the shot at fourth and five at the very end of the game to get in field goal range, and then... They came out and laid the wood against Michigan um, in, mm-hmm. in a ridiculous game. Um, yeah, I think I think that one's pretty interesting. Uh, any other any other games that you just kind of noticed? Uh, Memphis Cincinnati's fun because uh, if Cincinnati wins, then Memphis has to go to Cincinnati next week to play. No, sorry. If 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 Cincinnati wins, then Cincinnati hosts Navy in the American Athletic Championship. Ooh. But if Memphis wins, then Memphis hosts Cincinnati. So it's like a very weird okay. Memphis and Cincinnati might play in the Liberty Bowl in two consecutive weeks, which is just a very weird kind of schedule thing. Um, for all the flack, God the helps Big, them. Yeah, for all the yeah. flack the Big Twelve got about uh, the round robin and what that might do um, playoff wise, Memphis and Cincinnati could eliminate each other from the New Year Six by uh, beating each other in consecutive weeks there. So kind of kind of goofy from the American Conference there. Yeah, hey, um, can I say one thing? If you want to see a dead body, watch Georgia versus Georgia Tech. <laughs> Georgia, like, put up a clunker against A&M because they're just, like, sleepy and don't try to do anything when they don't have to. But they need a statement win, even though they're number four, and Georgia Tech is just the right opponent for them to absolutely demolish the Yellow Jackets. Oh, yeah. That's a, a 11 a.m. on ABC. No one's going to watch that game. It's going to be 70 to 10. And it was like, oh, Georgia can actually score. It's going to be awful. Okay. In terms in terms of sheer, like, overkill, bloody, and gross, do you think that's going to be worse than Clemson, South Carolina? Because that's what I thought yes, you were going to say. No, I know. Because I think, yeah, well, yeah, it's going to be bad, too. I forgot about that game. Don't. Yeah, because South Carolina lost to App State. And I love App State. But South Carolina yeah, is real bad. bad. South Carolina is real bad. Yeah, they are. Um, but they I, beat Georgia. People forget. They, that was really bad, too. It'll be interesting to see because there is that like common note how Clemson beating South Carolina by a bajillion points kind of influences the college football playoff perception mm-hmm. um, just because they got that common thing with Georgia. Um, last thing I'll say before we take a break and then do some Q&A, because I do have such a big Minnesota following because I posted a graph one time on Twitter, row the boat. Um, 
I'm actually mad at game day for going to Minnesota and patting them on the head later in the season. They should have gone to yep. Minnesota, Penn state. They deprived PJ Fleck of his moment. So hopefully uh, Minnesota takes care of business this weekend against Wisconsin. That's yeah. All. Row the boat. Absolutely. Row, row, row boat. I'm all in on PJ. Dude, tickets for that game, according to ESPN's like partnership with whatever ticket program, $256 is the cheapest one available on this website. Holy cow. Minnesota's freaking out about this game. Dude, they, as they should be. I like that. They're they're in that like Utah echelon. So you know, like Kyle yeah. Whittingham at Utah, and I feel like PJ Fleck, even though he moved up from the from the G five, he's 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 that like spirit of like, no, I'm out of place and we're gonna win. So I like that. Yeah, he's insane. And I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah. It, as same, yeah. insane like you want him to be. So Yes. Cool. All right. Well, check out this ad for um another podcast or some dessert service or something. I'm sure it's good. And we'll come back and answer some QA here in a second. All right, Grant, on Sunday night, I tweeted and asked the question. I said, uh, Max Duggan is obviously your offensive MVP. Uh Who is your defensive MVP this season and why? And I left that open. Um, So I want to ask you two questions. First, do you have any qualms with Max Duggan being crowned the offensive MVP? And two, uh, who's your defensive MVP and why? No, I don't have any Qualms with Max being the offensive MVP. I think that's that's probably pretty clear. Um, I, I guess Tay Barber would be the runner-up because um, I mean they just haven't gotten Rager the ball to make any plays. That's not a referendum on Jalen Rager's skill set. Right. It's just Barber's been Duggan's primary receiver. Um, as far as defensive MVP goes, uh, Garrett Wallow is the name that comes to mind. I think he's the one that most people said on Twitter. Uh, leading tackler, kind of the one mainstay at linebacker, just an absolute force. Uh, so he stands out. With so much inconsistency in the secondary, I do think I do think Jeff Gladney has has, has been a good force for them. Um, well, obviously, when he's played, because uh, he was suspended for the last, you know, for the first half of the Oklahoma game. But I, I mean, he's gotten picked on a couple times, but he's really kind of held down his end of the field, and they've just picked on TCU's younger defensive backs, with the exception of, and I know I'm rambling here, my number three choice for defensive MVP, which is our Darius Washington, who I think is going to be an absolute stud, and I know you do too. Uh, but as a redshirt freshman coming in, playing as he's done, uh, the guy's just a winner, man. He's not the biggest, he's not the fastest, but Patterson said he just loves playing football. And as cliche as that is, I believe it, because all he does is make plays. And I, I'll put him at number three just because I don't think anyone expected him to be as good as he has, and he's vastly overperformed kind of what you would think by putting him in that position. I love that he got recruited as an athlete. Because I feel like yeah. that just embodies. He is just a dude who gets on the field and makes stuff happen. Um, yep. Which is pretty pretty awesome for him. Yeah, I think I agree with those three. I will ask. Um, no, no love for Maring. Uh, he came in, you know, about halfway yep. through the season. He played some meaningful minutes, and then Ennis Gaines gets hurt. Ennis Gaines is having a down season anyway, uh, and he comes in and has been. Looks like he's going to be an anchor of this defense as well going forward. So I think, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people were um, for sure pumping him up. He's he's been pretty solid. It's hard to not be super excited knowing that Wallow, Maring, and uh, and Washington are coming back, and then also seeing you know Hodges Tomlinson has has played yep. pretty well. There's a couple names you'd recognize. Keon Stewart's going to come back at corner. There's there's some really solid. Kendrick Van Zant. Um, Patterson said he might be the best athlete on the defense. He's he's hurt. He's missing the rest of the season. But next year, I think it's going to be a, a stud. And when uh, hopefully next year, you know, we have the entire offseason to retool. It won't be so much of forcing him into linebacker at the last minute. He'll be able to really thrive yep. in defense, um, which is which is good. I think I think the answer has to be Wallow for sure um, mm-hmm. at, at number one on that. Um, okay. Yeah, no, oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, 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 I was just agreeing with you. I, I think it's really cool that TCU continues to kind of find these guys. You know, Wallow, uh, Paul, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on his last name. Paul Dawson. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, just guys like that that continue to come in and just, they're Ty Summers that are just absolute grinders at linebacker. I mean, they're perfect for Patterson's system, and he finds these guys somehow, brings them in, and they thrive. Um, and they're always my favorite players to watch on the defense. Definitely. Um, and I, I think my favorite thing, you know, being a TCU fan is, is uh, the story of being the fan of the underdog. And I love mm-hmm. how they're never – no one is a defensive dude the first year they show up. They're, like, mm-hmm. made. And so it's awesome to invest in this guy, Garrett Wallow, last year and be like, okay, this safety is going to play linebacker and we're just going to see what happens and then watch him. We're going to get to watch him over the next three years, like, build his body and build his game. That's just really awesome to to see. Um, 
that was super fanboy right there, but I'm okay with it. I'm getting nostalgic here at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's grind, let's let's grind through a couple of these um, Q and A's we've got. So our friend Lance Jewett asks, "Can you give any insight, statistically or otherwise, about what's going on at the line for TCU?" Um, yes, statistically, they were playing with Lucas Niang, and Grant and I both said, "I don't know if it'll matter." And hey, it really mattered. Um, depth got matter. very thin real quick. Um, yeah, death got thin. Um, they moved a lot of guys around. Quazel, Quazel White has been in and out of the lineup. Um, it's just been, and so is Anthony McKinney. Uh, well, McKinney started, but he's just kind of moved around. I don't know. It's It's been a whole mess up front, which is weird because at the beginning of the year, I thought it was going to be more consistent for TCU on the offensive line. And then Yang leaving and a couple other injuries, a couple other guys fighting for time. It just hasn't worked out at all. And the lines looked like noticeably tough like they've gotten some some bad penalties that they just don't look together and in, in, in the last few games yeah i mean uh it's not even havoc rate so i looked up at havoc rate and tc is actually pretty okay at that because their rush game is getting you know pretty decent um and it's not like they're giving up a ton of sacks because max is you know sacks are primarily a quarterback stack and max is pretty great at, at getting rid of sacks but you mm-hmm. see that like man they are not good at pressure like they were just yeah it's it's been it's been pretty tough um, yeah, yep. Clint, Clint Foster asks, if I storm the big 12 offices, will y'all join me? And I will say, uh, no, because I don't know where they are. And also we could have won the game. Like, look, we got two TCU got two bad calls, but, uh, it's not like they were going to win the game with those calls automatically. It's still uncertainty. So it's annoying. Do you want to wager, do you want to wager a guess where the big 12 conference office is? Grapevine. Irving. Very close. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. There you go. Centrally located. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I've got I, we've got we've got a monster question that I want to get to, so I'm saving it for last. I'm going to hit two more, and then we'll go there. Um, someone asked me about uh, Did you see the ESPN piece about the LSU wide receiver drills in the offense? They showed it on game day before the Texas game. Yes, ten thousand passes. Um, TCU needs to do some stuff in the offseason. Drops can be fixed in the offseason. Joe Burrow said that, that. I think the, the, the thing was Joe Burrow said he passed 10,000 times. Um, the point I want to bring up there is I think Max Duggan is that kind of weirdo who will who will do some of that, that work this offseason. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, next, someone, uh, Gage Alexander, asked me, could you find a correlation between the day of game week that Gary tweets calling all frogs it is time and the frogs performance for that game. And I'm not going to answer that right now. I'm just going to say, Gage, that's an amazing question. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to do maybe the most thorough academic analysis of my life on that question because I love it. Um, so do you think he does it six? Uh, well, because he normally does it around Monday, but he tweeted it last night. And I'm wondering if he just bumped it up because the game is a day ahead. And I yeah. don't know. Interesting. But yeah, no. Th- I mean, that's an off-season project. For these sure. are the these are the answers people know. Uh, people need yes. to know. Yeah, yeah. All right. The last question, Grant, is all is all you. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna let you run as far as you want to run with this. Okay. Um, our friend Nick asks, could you let us know which teams correlate to which common Thanksgiving dishes using as much pro TCU bias as possible? And maybe you also do which team is which stereotypical guest you see at holiday get-togethers. So let's break that in half. Okay. Which teams correlate to which common Thanksgiving dishes? Um, uh-huh. I'll let you drive, and I'm here for affirmation. Great. Uh, uh, with a note, the uh, the which teams correlate to which people at a Thanksgiving? Uh, look out uh, for a column dropping Wednesday. We'll put it that way. Okay, but Thanksgiving dishes. So let's start. Um, Turkey, Oklahoma. It's the best of the bunch. It's a cornerstone of the Big 12. Some people are ragging on turkey. I don't really get why. I think it's if you cook a turkey correctly, whether that's in the oven, deep frying it, whatever. My family does both. It's always great. That's Oklahoma. Okay? If, if you didn't have it, Thanksgiving would be ruined. Like the conference exactly. would be terrible without you. I'm totally there with that. That's great. Exactly. The other cornerstone of Thanksgiving is cranberry sauce. Now, you can make this in a – you can buy it in the can. You can make it whatever. It's there. No one really likes it. But it's around, and it's nowhere near where its reputation used to be. Cranberry sauce is Texas. Uh, TCU is stuffing because it's underrated. It's my favorite dish. Um, again, it's 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 a cornerstone of Thanksgiving. Um, it's the best side. It kind of goes well with everything. You can mix it in with a little bit of the juices, mix it in with some gravy, stuff like that. Stuffing is great, so that's TCU. Uh, I super disagree the, on that one, but we'll come back. That's fine. 
Do you not, are you not a stuffing fan? I'm not not a stuffing fan. I was just going to go that TCU is that, um, TCU is like that green bean casserole that has... Okay, like, I have that. Okay, I'm saying okay. it's them. I think that's TCU because if you just get the stuff and plop it out of the can and throw it in there, man, it is mushy and it is gross. And if it sits out for a long time, like it's not, it's not an amazing dish, but when it's done super well, it can be something that is, that is memorable in your Thanksgiving experience. So I think that's TCU of like, Hey, three, three stars, maybe an occasional four star. We're going to make this dish really, really well. And then you're going to remember it on Thanksgiving. That was my thought. Uh I I have Iowa State as green bean casserole just because they could sneak up on you and be a star on occasions. Um, I wish so I had let, I wish thing, I had let but, you talk. That's that's genius. But, but yeah, but uh, but I just prefer stuffing, so that's why I picked TCU. <laughs> um, mashed potatoes. My family doesn't do them for Thanksgiving. I know a lot of people do. Um, one other thing my family doesn't do is Baylor. So there you go. They're mashed potatoes. <laughs> um, we uh, uh, rolls are a big part of my family's Thanksgiving. I, I know a lot of people cook rolls. You can make it cornbread, whatever. Uh, it's bread. It's heavy. It slows you down, right? You, you eat two of them, and all of a sudden, you know, more than the turkey, more than the gravy, whatever, that you want to take a nap. That's Kansas State. Extremely boring. Uh, macaroni and cheese, not a traditional Thanksgiving dish. I don't know why my cousin insists on bringing it. She married into the family. Um, not a real Thanksgiving dish. That's Kansas. They play basketball. They don't play football. Uh, we need something reliable for pumpkin pie. It's, it's different. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a main course. It's a dessert. Uh, but it is always good. Uh, so I'm gonna go Oklahoma State on that one. Um, I, I think it's a uh, it, it's it's a decent dish. It's always kind of fun. Both orange. Uh, so there you go, Oklahoma State. Uh, West Virginia I have as a leftovers sandwich because it's one of the things where oh yeah that's here. I have that in the fridge. Okay, yeah sure why not bring it whatever. Um, and that's what I think of West Virginia since they've joined the Big Twelve at the same time as TCU. Uh, and then Texas Tech I have as the uh, flask of Fireball you sneak in to drink with your cousins. <laughs> And, and that's the, those are my uh, my comparisons. That's beautiful. Um, I have nothing to add to that. That is the definitive <laughs> Big 12 dishes, Big 12 teams as dishes list and ranking. All right, Grant. Well, that is the uh, – I'm going to let that sit. That's the podcast for tonight. That was, that was great. Um, we will be back here next week hopefully celebrating um, – Something I don't know. We're gonna, we're going to the Great Beyond after after the West Virginia game, so mm-hmm. we'll see what we'll see what happens. Um, other than that, follow us on Twitter. Grant's got a, a funny article coming up on Wednesday. Uh, you won't want to miss that. And other than that, uh, eat as much turkey as you can. Get out to the Carter and uh, bring a raincoat. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.